Hey, I'm Steve Gabriel, and I'm thrilled that we have this time together. I pray that God would help you to understand how great He is and how great His plan is for your life. Come on, let's enjoy God together. Hey, church, we're closing up the series today. We say thank you. And that's what we've been focusing on for these past few weeks. We've looked at all the different people on the front lines that we are so indebted to, who throughout the COVID crisis, 7.2 million people have done so much for so many. We've said thank you to Morrisons and people that work through the supermarkets, Marks and Spencers, and even to bus drivers at First Direct. And you just saw us saying thank you at the Warsaw location campus in Poland to hospital workers who are risking their lives to help other people. And as we move now to closing this series, I know that God has put a word on my heart for you, for the situations that you're facing. So come on, let's pray together right now. Lord, help us to dig into your word together and to learn from you, Holy Spirit, so that the word that we apply in our lives would help us to move forward into all that you have for us. Amen. All right, let's start with this. I have two sisters, and when I was a little kid, my two sisters, my youngest sister Carmen and my older sister Lori, invented a game. And the game they invented was in a field behind our house. They would literally draw a line in the dirt. And I remember my little sister, she'd be always the first one. She's the kind of spunky one. She's full of fire. She's feisty. And she would step over the line and challenge me and say, Steve, you can't push me back across the line. And of course, me being the kind of person I am, I'm like, I am not going to lose to my little sister. So I'd push her back over the line. But my little sister was smart. She would call my big sister, Lori, who's three years older than me. She was taller than me. She was strong. She and her, uh, she would stand and lock arms with my little sister. And no matter how hard I pushed, I couldn't push both, both of them back over that line. And I thought about that story. I thought about that incident as I read the Word of God and I prepared for today. And, and I wanted to take you to this scripture and then hopefully bring it alive so that we could see its influence and power as we finish this thank you series together today. And here's the thought. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 in the message version says this, thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. No matter what happens, that we continue to live a life of saying thank you, of being grateful. And as we finish and we move forward, you know, into the Christmas season and begin to look into 2021, what would our lives look like if we didn't retreat from drawing that line and stepping into that lifestyle of thank you? And that's why the title of this message today is this, Trademarks of a Thankful Life. Trademarks of a Thankful Life. You know, what is a trademark? A trademark is that registered patent where you take a brand and you, you have this, this icon or this symbol that represents whatever it is. And we know what those are. When we think of a Nike shoe, we know what the, we know what the uh, trademark is. Or when you think of McDonald's, or you think of Starbucks, or you think of Apple, you know what those trademarks are. But what I wanted to do is, is help us to understand that when you live a life that represents God, 
we have to remember that we are trademarked by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9 that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, because the trademark is the intellectual property of the Creator. It's the IP. And the intellectual property of you and I is that we're not just here by accident or here by fault. We are designed by a loving God. Psalm 139, one of my favorite psalms, talks about how we were knitted together in our mother's wombs and, and created and formed and fashioned. Another Bible version um, talks about that and unpacks how we're, how we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And when I think of how, how magnificent people are, how magnificent you are, then you realize that you're trademarked that royal priesthood. Now, you may not think of yourself right now as vitally important. You may not think of yourself as a person that is worthy of the grace of God, but the reality is you are. And you are because God is thankful. God is thankful. All through Scripture we see, we see this principle in operation. We see how God the Father was thankful and grateful to Jesus. We see how Jesus was thankful and grateful to His Heavenly Father. And we see how the Holy Spirit was released and, and right now is empowering you and I and available to you and I. And this spirit of gratefulness between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is the same principle that should be in operation for our life. So my question to you right now is this. What are you known for? When people see you, when they, when, they, when, they, when they listen to what you say, when they watch how you live, you know, maybe behind the scenes or at your job, or they watch how you go about your university education, do they see a lifestyle that's a lifestyle of thanksgiving, a lifestyle that represents your creator? Because if they don't see that, guess what? The problem isn't on God's end. There has to be an adjustment in our lifestyle so that we, together as God's people, can reflect who God is. What's the sound around you? Is it a harmonious sound of peace? Is it a sound of tranquility? Or are you stressed out by others around you that are, that are causing you to pollute your thinking and to contaminate the way that you do your life? So what I'm going to ask you to do, firstly, is this. Take a moment to draw a line. Draw a line. And when you draw a line, you're drawing an invisible line. And it's like this. Saying thank you is a choice. So when I'm saying drawing a line, you have to decide, yes, I'm going to live a life. I'm going to choose to be grateful. And at the same time, you also have to understand that living a thankful, grateful life has to be a commitment. So we choose, but we also have to be committed to that lifestyle of being grateful and thankful to God. You know, and I know this is going to be tough. I get it, because when you draw a line in that sand and you decide to step over it, it's going to be difficult at first. It's going to be messy in the middle. But God's Word promises this. It's going to be incredible in the end. So let's unpack that a little bit more and think about that. Imagine what would your life look like if you drew a new line in a new area and said, I'm not going to complain about this. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to stop blaming. I'm going to step up and I'm going to decide to make a difference in specific areas of my life. You see, once you draw a line 
You know, you understand that you don't need more talent. You don't need more courage. You don't need more status. You just need to make a choice and stick to it. So let's look and examine how we can draw a line in areas of our relationship, in our conversations, and in our friendships. And after we draw a line, we have to take a step. Once the line is drawn, we have to decide and then stay committed to keep taking that step. I remember, I remember thinking now with my two sisters, Carmen and Lori, if I take this step, I'm not going back any longer. And as I think about the reasons sometimes that people are held back from taking steps, it's probably because they think, well, if I take a step, I'm going to get pushed back so quick that I'm not going to start that new job or that new project or that new idea. I'm not going to redraw some of the areas in my life because of past failures and past mistakes. I like to label those kinds of thoughts as toxic thinking. If you can't take a step, it's probably because toxicity has already poisoned your system. And I've learned that toxic thoughts will do more damage to God's people and could do so much damage maybe to you right now, if you allow yourself to question whether or not you are loved. You are loved by your Father God. And any thought that challenges that thinking is a toxic thought that literally needs to be thrown out. Toxic thoughts should not roll around and mull around in our brain. We need to identify them and then replace them. So toxic thoughts are lethal to our relationships. They're lethal to your destiny. It might take years for those toxic thoughts to do their ultimate damage, but they will. So I remember early on, and, 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 I, and I started to study to toxic thinking, and I am no brain scientist, but I do know this. I do know from reading Dr. Caroline Leaf that there is a term that psychologists and doctors use. It's called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is the term by which you can change the way you think. You know, the Bible uses this in a different way where it says, as a person thinks, so he is. And so psychologists are already confirming what the Word of God teaches us. But I wanted to just read this because Dr. Caroline Leaf, she says this, she says that thoughts of gratefulness and attitudes that are thankful and grateful replace not only the toxic thought, but release chemicals in your brain that are a natural antidepressant. And when thankful thoughts become a habit, they can nearly be as helpful as medications. The brain releases dopamine and serotonin, feel-good neurotransmitters through the power of thank you. In other words, I think of it like this. It's not happiness that brings, it, that brings us gratitude. It's gratitude that brings us happiness. So many of us are waiting for better days before we allow our moods to change. No, we have to take a step before we change. Take a step and literally decide and choose and make a commitment that we are going to step forward. Now, I'm going to move now to John chapter 8, and I want to show you where Jesus drew a line in the sand, and he helped people step over that line. John chapter 8. Get comfortable because I'm going to read a few verses of this incredible story. Here's Jesus, and he walked up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. And then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around him to listen to his words. So Jesus sat down, and he taught them. 
And then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. And then Jesus said to her, they said to Jesus, sorry, they said to Jesus, teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone this woman to death? Tell us what we should do with her. Now, they were only saying this because they were testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with their own words and accuse him of breaking the law of Moses. You see, this was toxic thinking that led to action. There was a plan that those who should have known better were more concerned about the outward than the inward. They were trying to trap Jesus with toxic thinking, not just to destroy her life, this woman's life, but to destroy Jesus's life as well. And I needed to talk about this because the devil is real. We do have an adversary. We do have a real enemy. But you don't have to allow the enemy to drag you back or to drag you down. And here's Jesus radically dealing with this situation. Those who were supposed to be, you know, those who had it all together, those were gathering together and they were like, this is the way that we should live our lives. They were called Pharisees. They were like, they were like fake religious people. And they, they came in and they demanded Jesus to act a certain way. And I love what happened next. Because the Bible says that Jesus did not answer them. Why? Because sometimes the best thing you can do when you start to see negativity, when you start to see challenges, is to silence your inner world and your private thinking. And here's Jesus silencing this, and then he says, it says this, Jesus simply bent down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Here's the line. Here's the line that he's drawing right now. Here's Jesus drawing the line. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their questions. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at this woman. And then he bends down again and he writes some more words in the dust. Upon hearing that, her, her, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, and with a convicted conscience, until finally Jesus was left alone, with the woman still standing there in front of him. And so he stood back up and said, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? And looking around, she said, I see no one, Lord. So Jesus said, Then I don't condemn you either. Go on from now and be free from a life of sin. Let's look at this story in more detail. Here's Jesus drawing a line. You know, when he first draw the line, it says that we just read it. There was an anger in the room. The toxic thinking began to spread. That woman who was caught in that sinful act, she was surrounded by negative, toxic thinking that literally wanted to destroy her and pull her back down. But Jesus, he doesn't think like other people think. Jesus' thoughts are higher than the way humanity thinks. Jesus' thoughts are for you, even when other people are against you. And he's proving in a room, in the middle of the situation, that if you have a transforming thought, you can transform toxicity into incredible freedom. And you know, there's been so many scholars that talk about this. What did Jesus write? What was he doing? Some people think that Jesus is writing the names 
of the people in the room that actually slept with the woman that had committed adultery. Other scholars, they pontificate that, you know, what Jesus was writing in the dirt were the sins of some of the people in the room. Other people say that maybe he was writing a Bible scripture. The point is we have no idea what Jesus was writing. And I think the reason why we don't know what it was that Jesus is writing is because of this. When Jesus forgives you of your sins, you are completely forgiven and God remembers your sin no more. What Jesus did for you and I should move us to a place of being so incredibly grateful. You know, it says in Psalms that Jesus, that, the, that God, he forgives the sins as far as the east is from the west. And when Jesus was, was there riding in the dirt, I, I just, I like to think of it like this, that he just took his hand and he wiped away all of the things that he wrote. And it was a brand new, fresh, clean start for this woman. What Jesus was doing was drawing a line in the sand, taking a step and saying, I'm going to address this situation. And the next thing that Jesus did that I think is so powerful is Jesus stood up. You know, there's a time to take a stand. There's a time to take an inner stand. And so many people today are fighting external circumstances. And when Jesus stood up, he wasn't fighting an external circumstance. He, because of his conviction and his conscience and his great love for people, he made an inner stand. And Jesus' inner stand was because he didn't want anyone to perish. And he cares like that for you and I. He doesn't want you to perish or be held in a trap of toxic thinking. No, Jesus died on that cross and we can be thankful and grateful to him because he has the power to set you free from any bad habit, from any addiction, from any challenge that you're facing. Jesus has the capacity and the ability to help transform your life. And as he begins to take a stand, I wanted to ask where are the areas, where are the thoughts, the inner attitudes where you need to take a stand? Or you need to decide, I have taken a step and I'm not going back again. When you decide to take a stand, that means that you're dealing with any hidden agenda, any false motive, any selfish ambition, and you make a mental stand to grow your spiritual life. You know, your spiritual life is like an inner fortress. And when you grow your spiritual life, your inner fortress begins to fortify you and strengthen you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, this scripture talks about this, and it says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, this scripture, it, it, the image is of a soldier taking a, a someone or a, a person literally captive. And so in order for us to take a stand, we have to take an inner stand with how we think and take negative thoughts captive. So we identify a toxic thought, we take it captive, and then we get rid of it, throw it away, and replace it with not just positivity, but confessing who God says you are. Not what you think about yourself, but what God thinks about you. When you take a thought captive, you don't just leave yourself vacant, you replace it. And then you decide, I'm going to be stronger because of the stand that I'm taking. You may right now think, well, I'm not strong enough to do that. All you have to do is make a choice to think a strong thought. 
if, if you want to just think a heroic thought, eventually, over time, heroic actions will follow. So if you feel weak today, if we feel down today, hey, join the club. This is a season when we all feel challenged from time to time, greatly facing some of the things in our society. But when we decide to draw a line, to take a step, and to take a stand, we're moving ourselves into a position of readiness that God has for each and every one of us. You know, I've thought about this in some of the areas that we're involved in right now, and I recently read that in this current season, there are a lot of people facing finan financial challenges, and this really stood out to me that over 90% of first business owners fail, over 90%. But 90% of those who have failed and try again succeed, right? So only 10% of people try to take a step again. What if you made a failure what if you've made a mistake, but you decide you're going to draw a new line, take a new step, and step forward? If you make that decision today, you'll be able to stand up and move forward. And the truth is this, that graveyards are filled with people who had ideas that they never took a step out about. You know, they've had books and ideas and initiatives and patents and things that were never, never applied because people didn't understand how to take a step and how to stay consistent and stay committed. And so I'm asking, where do you need to take a step? And here, here's, here's Jesus dealing with this situation where he, he literally forgives this woman and she is set free and she walks out of what should have been certain death for her, into a beautiful life of freedom. I mean, the situation for her was difficult at the start, very messy in the middle, but as she met Jesus and had an encounter and listened to Jesus say, hey, if you have not accepted me, if you have not received me, then you'll surely die. And, and, and he's, talking about, he's talking about sin, and he's talking about these areas in our life. But when he says, I don't condemn you, I mean, let that sink in. Think about that. You're not condemned by Jesus because Jesus himself condemned his own life by going on that cross and by dying so that you and I could go from that place of sin and not sin any longer. That woman left Jesus and she took a stand. She took a step and she walked into her freedom. What about you? Where are the areas in your life where you want to take a step, where you want to take a stand, where you want to decide to make a difference? And so I'm asking this, just like that woman had a takeaway from her time with Jesus, I'm asking you to have these takeaways in your life as I just sum up now. Firstly, be a line drawer and pray about what new lines you need to draw in your life. What's a new relationship or a new friendship that you maybe need to redraw? What ideas or dreams do you need to restart? And then take a step. Be a step taker. Believe in the God who created you enough so that you're going to try again, attempt again, and take a new step. Maybe you need to send a text message or do an act of kindness to repair a relationship. Whatever it is, pray about that. 
Allow God to speak to you about it. Get, dig into his word and then take that step. And then where can you take a stand about how you think about yourself? Where can you take a stand for other people? And when that time comes, when you feel like I felt that day when I'm being pushed backwards, where do you lean? Do you lean into the challenge by leaning into God, your creator, the one who formed you and loved you? Or do you lean away? Because times of pressure are going to come. Times of challenge are going to come in your life. And I want to demonstrate it to you like this with my prop that I've got. Because times of pressure are going to come. And I felt that I had this image of an orange. And this orange that you see, obviously, in times of pressure, gets squeezed. And I've got my orange right here, and you know what happens. When a pressure time comes, what gets squeezed, your inside comes out. And when the, the inside comes out, what comes out of you is this sweet, precious juice. And I wonder if the season that we're in right now, when we decide that we're going to take that step, we're going to take that stand, that when we do that and then pressure comes and we lean into the challenge, we don't, we don't run away from it. We, we go to it with prayer. We go to it with others and we, we try to do our best. It's like being squeezed and what runs out of us is this incredible, sweet, beautiful aroma and, and juice. And it's that vitality, those vitamins that, that keep us going. And I put this to you today, that God is not looking for perfection. But when you and I are squeezed, what's happening is that we've decided we are not going back. We are going to keep moving forward. Yes, it's going to be tough. The journey ahead is going to be tough. But the trademark of our life is going to be a life that even when we're squeezed, we're going to stay grateful to our loving God. No matter how hard life gets, we're going to do that. And what happens is, after we squeeze and we're going through that pressure, we begin to have the aroma. Right now, I smell like an orange. I wish you could smell it. I wish you were here. I wish we were together. But I know this, that, that because we've decided and we've drawn a line and we've decided to step up and step out together, that our God is going to do incredible things. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's Word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do want to say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month, year ahead.